Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, it's deja vu. Max is back and breaking the streak. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Wait, wait a second. Didn't we just talk about this last night? Didn't we literally talk about Jake Fisher and his report that DeJounte Murray was negotiating a contract and potentially, and literally, when I finished recording this podcast, my producer, Jarvis Davis, informed me, he's like, yeah, did you see Murray just signed? So again, thank we, 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 we definitely say, look, you're welcome, Atlanta, first off, okay, that, that we have this kind of power, that we make things happen, okay? So DeJounte Murray, if you don't know, signed a four-year, $120 million extension, or is set to sign a four-year, $120 million extension. That's the max extension that could be offered to him. Now, again, we said on this show, probably somewhere $25, $30 million. Check that box off. Again, I got no problem with $30 million a year for DeJounte Murray. That's the going rate for NBA high-caliber players. I'm not saying he's Giannis or even Trey. Those guys are 40, 50 million, but DeJounte Murray is in that 25, 30 million dollar range. So I got no problem with all that. Second thing is the fact that he wanted to be here, and we talked about this yesterday. That again, you could offer more money than you have in the last few years because of the new CBA, but would he become a free agent at the end of the day? Would, would he play and, and go into free agency where he could probably cash in even a little bit more? So he decided not to do that. He's now committed here. And I love it. Listen, I, again, this is exactly what I hoped for. And there was no reason to wait to get this done. And, and I've explained this over and over. Look, put the contract out there. See if he bites. Why not? You had nothing to lose in this situation with offering him that kind of deal. If he says no, okay, you know what you're up against and you have other options that are open. If he says yes, you got your player. I mean, again, I think this was the smart thing to do. This was always the smart thing to do was to offer him the contract over the summer before the season gets started and not let this thing drag out for negotiations and all that good kind of stuff and, and hearing about, well, you know, will DeJounte Murray stay in Atlanta? Well, will the Hawks enter? Because, again, we'd have everybody in the world, if he goes and hadn't signed a contract, that would be looking at, well, is DeJounte Murray going to get traded? It'd be John Collins all over again. So I love the fact that they got this deal done. I think Murray is a key piece to this franchise moving forward. And look, had the Hawks not have done this in some ways, there would be egg on their face because of what you gave up and 
obviously this is one of the things, I mean, multiples of things, but certainly one of the things where Travis Schlenk vehemently disagreed with the organization and the idea of how much compensation are they giving up for DeJounte Murray? Look, if DeJounte Murray is a really good player, you can give up all the draft picks in the world. I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. Give me the proven NBA commodity at the end of the day. Give me the guy who's proven that he, you know, can be a, a, a factor on this team. And I love this move. I love this decision. I love the idea that he's going to be here for the next few years, whether Capella, Hunter, whoever, Bogey, whoever's here. There's no reason to think that with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, that those two guys won't be the backcourt of the future for the next four years foreseeable future. So again, now that you've got that behind you, you know, and again, I didn't see what the, I personally didn't look to see what the cap hit was this year, but you know, again, this probably gets us probably somewhere, you know, uh, maybe in the luxury tax next year, because again, he's a $17 million player this year. That number will go up to whatever number it's going to be. But for now, you didn't, you, you got your guys signed. You're still not in the luxury tax threshold. Now it depends on now. Now we need to see what, what the Atlanta Hawks have next. I think they made a good move in signing Murray. I think I, I, it was a move that I understand as far as the John Collins trade. Now we got to start getting better. You know, it's not that we didn't get better with DeJounte Murray being here. It's just that now for the future, we've got one of our building blocks of this organization. Now the next move has to be to get this year's roster better. And I love the idea that Quinn Snyder is going to get a chance for the next few years to work with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young and make this all come together. Make those guys the dynamic backcourt that they need to be. And there's no reason why this shouldn't be one of the more dynamic backcourts in all of the NBA. Again, with Trey Young scoring, Murray's defense and scoring, all the intangibles that those guys bring, these guys should be a handful. And we've seen it so often that when those guys play really well together, they win basketball games. You know, when 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 they're on the floor together and they've got it cranked up and they're putting up 65 points and 20 assists and 16 rebounds. Now we got something. And, and I'm guessing that this is probably a load off DeJounte Murray's mind, knowing that he's about to cash in. He's going to be in Atlanta for the next few years. And I had a chance to talk to DeJounte Murray when he first got to Atlanta. And, and again, I, I, I love the kid. And, and you saw, and we, we've talked about this before. I think personally, he was the MVP of this roster last year. I think he was their most valuable player that they had. There were a lot of winning basketball plays that he made. There were plays that he made in games that we wouldn't have had that kind of play last year and probably lost some of those games. So I'm excited about this. Now I want to see building for the future. Now I want to see getting this roster right this year. This is obviously a big step to know that Murray's going to be here and he's going to be here for the next few years, but now we've got to get this cranked up and get this roster figured out for this upcoming season. Because as of now, the Hawks have not gotten better. That The Hawks are not a better roster than they were last year. I don't care about, you know, Buffkin and all. Again, those guys, are gonna, that, that guy's going to play in, in College Park when all is said and done. 
But this was a big deal to get this done. And it sends a signal that the Atlanta Hawks are building for the future. And this will most likely put them well into the luxury tax come next year. And, and it's a move that, look, I, I think that you had to make, if you're a Hawks fan, that, that, that you, you have faith and confidence that this organization, and look, they've been willing to pay guys money. They've been willing to pay Capella and Collins and DeAndre Hunter and even Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich. They've been willing to pay those guys a lot of money. Well, now we have a player that can make an impact for this team. Now we have somebody that we feel like is set to make a big impact for this roster. Not just this coming year, but moving forward. And you don't have to answer the questions about will Murray stay? Will Murray go? Will we trade him at the deadline? What if things don't work out? Now you've got all of that behind you. Now Quinn Snyder, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, they can focus solely on the basketball aspect of everything. They can focus on getting all of those guys better, making them all better players. And now you build your roster around everything else that those guys are creating. So I'm excited. This is certainly a move that needed to happen. And it's deja vu that we literally just talked about this last night. All right, this episode is brought to you by uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. And when you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can sign up and take your first swing at MLB betting on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So that's right. You can get for on a $20 bet landing $200 in bonus bets whether you win or whether you lose. So it's $200 you can spend on betting on everything from money lines to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. It's a safe, secure, super easy-to-use app. And obviously, FanDuel does it better than anybody. There's no better place to be than on FanDuel and betting on MLB. They're America's number one sports book. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your bet where you can get as much as $200 in bonus bets when you bet $20, win or lose, get that $200 at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So we also got good news yesterday besides DeJounte Murray the fact that Max Freed is going to make a rehab start come Sunday. So that's good news. So we were waiting to kind of see. We had heard, you know, obviously we saw that he's been doing bullpen sessions and all this good kind of stuff. And obviously Freed has been a big part of this rotation over the last few years. He's only made the, what, five starts um, this year, um, two and one with a 2.08 ERA, 25 strikeouts in 26 innings. Only six walks. I mean, he was obviously, you know, pitching pretty well, but he's missed, you know, the last 60 days with being out. But this is a huge shot in the arm where we've been talking about the idea of, okay, Strider, Elder, Morton. We have those three guys. Who's going to be that fourth guy that's going to just, if nothing else, just give some consistency to the rotation? I don't care if that guy is really good or what have you, just give some consistency to that rotation. We were looking at Soroka. Was it Schuster? Was it Dodd? You know, was it this guy, that guy, whatever like that? Well, now Max Freed is set to return. 
And that's bad news for the rest of the National League. Think about what the Braves have done, and they've accomplished all this. Their offense has been rolling. <laughs> and, and now you're going to get the best left-hander in baseball back. Oh, yeah, just plop him right in to the rotation, right? Get the best left-hander in baseball. So now, again, when you get that fourth spot locked up, and again, this will probably be a situation where end of the month, you know, right around the trade deadline time, that this will start to, you know, he'll start to get himself back to the big club again. He'll probably make a couple of starts and he'll be in rehab and all this kind of stuff. So we're not, we're not, you know, rushing him. But if he's ready to go, let's let's get him, you know, up here. And now it's just kind of Katie bar the door at this point, right? I mean, the way that this offense is clicking and you put the best left-hander in baseball on the mound. And, and, you know, when you look at the number of starts that the Braves have had from left-handers, it really hasn't been that many. You know, Freed's been a guy who's, you know, started a few games. Dylan Dodds had a few starts. You know, Dylan Lee, you know, has had a start. I mean, you know, in one of those bullpen, you know, kinds of games. But by and large, they haven't gotten a whole lot of starting pitching out of the, out of a left-hander. Well, now free gives you that, you know, that advantage to where you can kind of break up lefties and righties and such. But now this takes a lot of pressure off Mike Soroka and some of these other guys that now you're not worried about what those guys have to do is performance-wise, right? You feel like with Strider and Elder, that's two all-stars. Morton is still a solid option. Now you're going to get freed back. Now you can mess around with that fifth spot. Like that doesn't become so important because one is the Braves have, you know, a, what a, a 75 game lead right now over the Mutts and the Phillies and the Marlins and, you know, whatever other aquatic animals that are out there right now. So they're pounding away on the National League East and this should be a stroll in the park. I, again, I, this, this will be a fun series tonight getting started where it's Tampa and the Braves in what could potentially be a World Series preview. We've been looking forward to this series for the last couple of weeks, and this will wrap things up as they head toward the All-Star break, and Max Fried will get himself back in the rotation. So this is all good news. Now, again, Kyle Wright will be back at some point, but you feel like, okay, Strider, Elder, Morton, Freed, if I've got those four guys, I can figure out everything else. I can figure out rookies in the fifth spot, Soroka in the fifth spot, Kyle Wright when he comes back in the fifth spot. Like I don't, I don't have to worry when 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 you're down to worrying about what your fifth starter in the rotation is going to do. You got first world problems. I mean, if that's if that's where we're at, trying to figure out who could be a fifth starter for this club. That's first world problems. That's that's World Series caliber problems. And now you drop in the best left-hander in baseball just right in the middle of this pennant race. Or I don't even again, I said, I, I said a couple weeks ago, this division is over. Okay. We we won't be, you know, Sal Lipskitz or whatever his name is, you know, proclaiming things or what have you. But again, this division's over. There's no way the Marlins or the Mutts or the Phillies are catching the Atlanta Braves. Now you're going to set yourself up for the long term, and now having Max Reed back, it's all good signs. Now we'll see when Kyle Wright comes back. And I don't want to minimize the impact of a Kyle Wright, but it really feels like right now, okay, with Freed, Morton, Strider, Elder, 
okay. Like when when again, I think if you just have those four guys uh, settling in your rotation, the fifth guy or when Wright comes back, like okay, like I don't feel like that. There's some kind of pressure. Again, two guys out of your starting rotation feels like all right. We've got three guys available, but now we start to have to get into more bullpen games. This and the other. Having that fourth guy in the rotation. Now it feels like everything kind of calms itself down, settles its stuff down, and hopefully Max Fried will be back by the end of the month. All signs are pointing toward that. All signs are pointing toward the idea of Fried being back by the end of the month. He'll start in Gwinnett on Sunday, so this is not even a situation where he's going to Rome or I don't even know where their affiliates are, Myrtle Beach, or I don't even know where they're at anymore. They used to be in Myrtle Beach and Richmond and everywhere else on you know the East Coast. But you know it's not Rome. It's not anywhere like that. He's going right to Gwinnett to get back into this thing, which tells you that he's on track, throwing bullpen sessions, going to Gwinnett at the AAA level, that he's on track for getting back in this rotation sooner rather than later. So if the NL East wasn't over before, now the NL East is going to be over. Because you drop Max Fried in with this offense and, and the way he pitches, where he, you know, he's one of the better ERA guys in the league. He doesn't give up a lot of walks. He doesn't get pounded around. He doesn't give up a lot of home run balls. This lineup, this, this rotation, this lineup, now it's coming together with the emergence of Strider and Elder. And now you get Max Fried back in here. I mean, now the sky's the limit. There should be no reason why this team shouldn't be thinking World Series. And and I'm saying it on July 7th. There's no reason why this shouldn't be a World Series caliber club. And this team is better, I think, than anybody in the National League. And we'll see, you know, starting tonight, what this matchup looks like against the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll see if Tampa or the Braves, who emerges out of all of this, as, you know, who may be the best team in Major League Baseball. This will be a fun series, but obviously it's all good news that Max Fried is back on the ball club and making a rehab start to get himself back into this rotation. All right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you listen on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. I like to call them our everydayers is what I can say. So let us know that you're an everyday listener five days a week into the program. Let us know. Leave us a comment. We thank you so much for being a part of our community and joining us on this ride that we've had for since April of last year. So we thank you so much for all of that. You know, I, I saw a, uh, a tweet that was put out by CBS. Okay. And here's what the tweet says. Teams without a playoff win over the last four seasons. Okay. Teams without a playoff win over the last four seasons, lions, dolphins, Raiders, commanders, Jets, Bears, Panthers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Colts, Patriots. But more than that, you know, and I was looking through this list and I'm thinking to myself, okay, while these teams, and that's almost half the league that hasn't won a playoff game over the last four years. But then I started thinking to myself, self, I'm looking at this list. At least the Patriots have been in the playoffs the last four years, they've been in the Patriot, uh, the uh, playoffs twice. The Colts have been a playoff team. The Chargers have been a playoff team. The Steelers have been a playoff team, right? Even the Bears have been a playoff team. Commanders, 
Raiders, Dolphins, like all of those teams have been a playoff team. So really, when you look at like how there's 14 teams that haven't won a playoff game in the last four years. But of those 14 teams, how many of them have, have not even been in the playoffs over the last four years? And that's the list to look at. And, and how do we break this streak and break this cycle? I mean, listen, I do think that everything will start to come together for the Falcons and they will be a team that wins nine or 10 games this year and they will find themselves into a playoff spot, maybe win the division. You know, again, we've talked about ceilings and floors. I think 11 wins is probably the ceiling for the Falcons, but I think their floor is still about eight wins. I get seven, eight wins on their floor because there's no reason they should take a massive step backward. But it is frustrating in a league that is all about being the worst and going to first. It's about Jacksonville having Urban Meyer as their head coach and all the chaos that surrounded it. And then a year later, fast forward, and they're winning their division. This is, you know, again, more than just winning a playoff game. There are so few teams that in the last four years, and think about it, 2017 is the last time the Falcons were in the playoff. So extrapolate how many teams have not been in the playoffs over the last five years. I don't have the list in front of me, but it's probably not more than barely one hand's worth of teams that have not been in the playoffs because that's how the NFL is designed. The NFL is designed for all of your flaws and your warts and all the things you do wrong, okay? There's not guaranteed contracts. There is ways to get better in the draft. It's not a rigged lottery system like the NBA where they pick whatever team that they want to have the frozen envelope or now they don't even they don't even they don't even uh you know uh insult your intelligence with the frozen envelopes. They just give a stack to the guy and they put them in the order that they want. Yes, I'm saying that the lottery is rigged in the NBA. Yes, I am 100% convinced. In my lifetime, I've seen every lottery ever in the NBA, okay? And every one of them has been rigged at some point, whether LeBron going to Cleveland, New York, whatever, anyway, so we're getting sidetracked over here. But in a league, in a sport that is designed to get you to be good year over year, if you're bad, you play a last place schedule. You get the high draft picks, okay? You don't have guaranteed contracts, so you can maneuver guys. It ain't like you get stuck with an NBA contract for $250 million and you're either going to eat it or get nothing back in return. Those things don't happen in the NFL, even with the cap hits and stuff like that. You can move on from players, even the Matt Ryans of the world who've been your franchise quarterback for a decade and a half. You can move on from those guys. So that's the frustrating part is when I look at a list like this, it's not so much that we haven't won a playoff. We hadn't been in the playoffs. How is that possible? I, again, all you look at these teams that are on this list. You have plenty of teams that have salary cap issues and they've got high price players that don't perform. Like they have all the same problems that we do. And yet several of those teams on there probably more than half those teams on there have found their way. I don't care if it's you dumb your way into the playoffs or what have you. They found their way 
into the playoffs when all is said and done. We haven't found that. So, again, I'm reading about Ryan Nielsen. Obviously, Arthur Smith is, you know, I think a, a top, you know, upper half coach, you know, top 15 coach in this league. Like, we should have everything together. And it's, again, if we can't make the playoffs this year, in all honesty, and I don't think anybody's on the hot seat, Arthur Blank is not firing Terry Fontenot or Arthur Smith if they don't make the playoffs. But if we can't make the playoffs this year, after the kind of drought and and just by the nature of the sport, by the nature of the way the league works, I mean, even the Arizona Cardinals have been in the playoffs over the last couple few years, Right. The Colts, you know, weren't very good, but they've been in the playoffs. The Commanders, I mean, whoever, Steelers, you know, what, Broncos, what? I mean, these teams have been in at least in a playoff game. We haven't smelled it since the year after the Super Bowl when we went to the divisional round of the playoffs. And that's the frustrating thing. And you can blame salary caps and all this kind of stuff. Okay, I mean, that's fine, whatever. You know, but it's got to happen this year. There's no reason why it shouldn't happen. There's no reason why we can't be a playoff team this year. The roster's better. It's better year over year. We've had the financial flexibility. You know, again, we've got all these draft picks and stuff. And again, I'm going to say, if, if we're not a playoff team this year, we really have to question about the young players that we're bringing in on this roster. Not so much the veterans. I'm talking about the young players because you're not getting, if you can't make the playoffs this year and you've got London and Pitts, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing at that point? At some point, those guys have to pay off. You can't swing and miss on four, eight, whatever. And I do think that we're going to be a playoff team. I do think we can win this division. But if we don't win the division, I still think we're a playoff caliber team. Now, again, I'm not worried about how many wins in the playoffs and things like that. You know, we'll we'll save that for the discussion when we get there. But you look at those 14 teams that haven't won a playoff game, won a playoff game, and then you whittle that thing down into who's not been in the playoffs. That's a very lonely list in the NFL. When you go five years without playoffs, that's a really lonely list. That starts getting you into Division Two football, right? That starts to get you into Division Two level football. It's hard to do that in the NFL. It's hard to go this many years without a playoff berth. And I certainly think that this is the year that it's all got to come together, whether it's division or what have you, that we find our way into the NFL playoffs. All right, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck where you first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. We like to call them our everydayer, so we do thank you so much for being a part of our community. But let us know that you listen in five days a week to the show, so we thank you so much for always being here with us. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Have a great weekend. Back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.